just for the sake of time, I'm going to skip uh, around just a tiny bit. We're going to read most of that. Um, but it's John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Um, and so, friends, uh, if you are joining us at home, feel free to do this if you feel comfortable doing this. Uh, but if you're here in person, if you could please stand as able once you're ready to read the scripture. So John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word. I'll read the scripture and we'll all respond with thanks be to God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, we have been uh, on this journey uh, in this semester talking about um, going deep with God and how we can uh, go to a deeper level in our faith and how the things of God can grow within us. We have been using these metaphors of like water, you know, going deep in the water, but also the idea of like plants, growing things. And um, we, we mentioned this last week. We read part of the parable of the sower and the seed. And this is going to be our enduring metaphor uh, throughout the, the semester. And so uh, that parable, if you guys remember, uh, there's the sower and he's scattering seed. And some of the seed uh, goes on the path and never makes it into the soil. And that gets picked off. And last week we were talking about sort of like how maybe sometimes we kind of hide from God. Sometimes we, we don't even want to be near God for whatever reason. Um, and then there, there's uh, other ones that, um, you know, go into rocky soil and, and it just kind of uh, comes up right away, but uh, there's no root. And then there's uh, the others that are in the thorns, they get choked out. And then there's others that bear much fruit, good soil, right? And, and it, it bears fruit that multiplies like a hundredfold. And so we want to figure out how to get that seed to go really, really deep and to bear that good fruit. But the question is, friends, if we want to know how to do that, we have to understand what the seed is. So without uh, you know, hearing me explain this, what do you think the seed is? What do you think the seed is? Um, could you maybe just real quick turn to someone next to you and just, you guys can just both say like what you think the seed is. Just real quick, like, like it can be one or two words. Can you guys do that real quick? Just turn to someone next to you. What is the seed? Answer. <laughs> All right, you got it? You guys got an answer? Yeah? Okay. All right, guys. Let's come back. Let's come back. Anyone, like, just, just, you're like, dude, I got it. 
Pastor Steve, no problem, 100%, right? Dude, I get, I get like all the A's in Sunday school. I got this. Anyone just like really confident? You're like, I know what the seed is. No one? No one want to try? Well, we're going to find out right now. So let's look. <laughs> so this is Luke chapter 8. It says, now the parable is this. So last week we read the parable, and now we're going to read the explanation. The seed is the word of God. Anyone get it? Some of you are like, yes, I got it. <laughs> the seed is the word of God. But friends, the question is, what is the word of God? We're going to talk about that. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But those have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Right? So we got this seed, and we want it to go deep, but we already said, it's the word of God. But some of you guys are like, yeah, Pastor Steve, I know. I know what the word is. Okay, now turn to the people next to you. What is the word of God? Just kidding. Just kidding. We, we don't have to do that. But what do you guys think the word of God is? I'll tell you what I was always told. And I'm not saying this is completely false, but in this context, I want to argue That's not completely true either. What we've always been told is that the word of God is the Bible. Now, before you all get mad at me and you're like, Pastor Steve, how can you say it's not the Bible? I'm going off the Bible, right? I'm going off the words of Jesus, right? And so we're going to take a look at it. Is the word of God the Bible? Well, I'm not going to answer it. We're going to read the Bible, right? So this is what it says, John chapter, uh, John chapter 1, we just read this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who are they talking about here? Who is the Word in this context? I'll give you a hint. It's usually the right answer. Starts with a J, ends with Jesus. It's Jesus, right? That's, that's who they're talking about. So guys, all right, it says the Word was Basically, the word is Jesus, right? So I have a question. If the word of God is the Bible, but John says it's Jesus, does that mean Jesus is the Bible? Now, some of you are like, oh, (laughs) what is this? What is this? I'm so confused right now. Okay, friends, first of all, they didn't have Bibles back then, right? I mean, they had scrolls, right? And no one had a physical Bible in their home. Most people didn't. You had to go to the synagogue, go to temple, and they had scrolls, and people would read them, right? That's why we talk so much about meditating on the Word of God in the Bible, because they didn't have physical Bibles. They didn't have phones, right? They didn't have a Bible app, right? And so oftentimes, they're not talking about the Bible. Now, it can be the Bible, right, in one sense, as it pertains to Jesus, because the Bible tells us about Jesus, right? And so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the Bible isn't important. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't know the Bible. And I'm not saying you shouldn't get the Bible in you. But I'm just going off of what Scripture says. What it's saying is something a little deeper. So I want to try to explain this. Please forgive me. We're going to talk a little Greek. But I, I want you to understand where I'm going with this. 
this. And so the Greek word for word is logos, right? You guys ever hear of a logo, right? Um, and so it, it literally can mean word, but it also can mean reason or plan. So this is from the Encyclopedia Britannica. So there is a concept in ancient Greek philosophy and, er- and obviously early Christian theology. It is more than just a word. It's, we're not talking about spoken word, right? There's other, like, like well, it, it is a spoken word, but something more. It's not like a written word. Um, it's definitely always spoken when we're talking about logos, right? And it says, uh, it is the divine reason implicit in the cosmos, ordering it and giving it form and meaning. I know, I know we're, we're like, it's after lunch, Pastor Steve. I, I feel like I'm in a lecture. I'm falling asleep. Please stick with me. I think this is really important. Okay, so they're like the Greek philosophers, they would sit around and talk about all the time. They're like, yo, when you look at this world, it looks so random. You know, what is the master plan, right? Is there some grand design, right, behind all of it? In other words, what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of all the things that we see, the universe, the stars, the, 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 the sky, the, the living things, right? And they would talk about this all the time, and they had a word for that, and it was logos. They were all looking for it. What is the great plan? What is the great design? Right? So when we say logos, when we say the word of God, oftentimes they are not talking about a Bible. Right? They are talking about this underlying principle where we can make sense of all things. Right? Have you guys ever wondered what is the meaning of life? You've been looking for the logos. Right? When you look at your life and you're like, everything seems so meaningless. I wish there was meaning. Guess what? You're looking for the logos. Right? And so this is a very bold claim that John is making, right? He is saying Jesus is the Logos. Look no further. You've been looking in all of these other things, but you can find the great meaning for life in Jesus. Amen? And so let's, let's now go back to John 1. And so it will make a little more sense if you understand what the Logos is. Because if you think the Word of God is the Bible, at least in this context... This makes no sense. But if you understand it as the Logos, it makes a little more sense. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Do you guys see that? All things were made through him. Right? And without him was not anything made that was made. Does that make sense? Right? So nothing exists without Jesus. Everything was made in him because he is the logos. He's the underlying reason for everything. Right? And, and so it's a very, very bold claim. Whether or not you believe it, hey, we'll get there. Right? Hopefully we'll get there but I at least want you to understand the claim. Some of you guys are like, "Uh, I don't think that's true. Okay, we got to deal with that in faith, right? But I just want you to understand the claim, right? Does that make sense, right? He's not saying Jesus is the Bible. He's saying he's the master plan for everything, right? Okay, so in him was life and the light. Life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So, friends, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to get the seed into us, 
right? And if you guys remember, what is the seed that's in the good soil? It's the seed that does not get disturbed, right? Some of the other ones, like, I mean, yeah, some of them don't even make it in the soil, but the other ones is like rocks, and it can't go deep, right? It's like super shallow, and so it just kind of like grows up real fast, dies, right? Because it can't form roots. And then other ones, while they're forming roots, there's like all these thorns and things that get in the way, and it chokes out the seed, right? But the one that really, really grows well is the one that it just goes straight in, right? It goes down into that soil, and there's nothing blocking it, and it can stay there. And in patience, endurance, it remains there. And then before you know it, right, like little green things come out of the seed, and then it just like, like comes out of the, the soil, and then it starts to sprout. And then the fruit comes out, right? And, and lots of good things happen. This is what Jesus is talking about. Now, if the seed is the word, not just any word, his words, right? What, what Jesus is trying to teach us. Not only that, but the actual life of Jesus. How do you get that? What are we talking about here? Because we talk about this all the time. Jesus is in my, in my heart, right? You know, I, I, I've, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. I've got all of this within me that is going to grow and sprout out from me. How do you do that? Well, yeah, I mean, you do have to read about Jesus. So in a way, indirectly, yes, this is the word of God. It absolutely is, right? But what we need is we need the life of Jesus. We need the character of Jesus. We need the presence of Jesus within us. And there's only really one way you're going to get that. It is through the Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit of Christ, if it is living within you, then it will bear much fruit. But it's got to go deep, and you got to keep it there. you got to learn how to keep it there, right? And so, friends, I, I want to just share, just based on this passage, what it says about this word, just some aspects about it that I think will help us to understand how we can get it there, you know, and really what we're dealing with. And maybe part of the reason why it doesn't all, always stay, right? So the first aspect, and you see it all over the place, right? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So first of all, we hear that Jesus is the light. We talked about this a lot last week when we talked about our tendency to hide from God, right? It's so silly. I don't know why we do this, but we still do. It's just a, a tendency we all have, a, a, just a gut reaction. When you do wrong, when you sin, when you are in disobedience, we just hide. And I was sharing this with the youth this morning, and I was talking about, like, like I was using the, the analogy of, like, when a kid, like, does something wrong, I don't know, they, like, break something in the house, that a little kid might go and hide in their bed and, like, put the covers over their head, right? And, like, one of the youth group kids was like, why? It's like, what do you mean, why? <laughs> it's like, what, what kid would do that? Why? And, and, and so, like, it, it seems kind of silly, right? Because, obviously, the kid's going to be found out, right? There's only so many places a kid can hide, right? And before you know it, you just look at that lump and you're like, all right, that's a kid-sized lump, right? You're not fooling anyone. And it's also true of us with God, but it's a weird thing. We don't want to come into the light. We think we're fooling God, but we're not fooling anyone. And when Jesus comes, he does shine light. Darkness cannot stand for it. And if you want to hide in the darkness, you will be exposed. 
if you welcome Jesus into your life, right? And there's some of us that we don't want that. We want to do what we want, and we want to kind of hide. We want to hide from God. Maybe it's sin that we know that we shouldn't be committing, you know? And, and we're just kind of like, yeah, but Steve, I, I just can't stop. You know, like, like I, I know it's wrong, but, you know, I'm sure Jesus will forgive me, blah, 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 right? And, and we do that thing where we just kind of dismiss it, and we're not really bringing it out into the light. But when Jesus comes, I mean, Jesus just knew everything. We talked about this last week with the woman at the well. Jesus knew all her secrets, right? He's like, hey, hey, go, go bring your husband. And she was like, oh, <laughs> I have no husband. She, he was like, yeah, you've had five. And the dude you're living with right now, not your husband. And what we talked about last week is that woman did come out into the light. And when she got baptized, according to church tradition, we talked about this last week, she became known as the lighted one. Fotine, right? The lighted one. And, and she became a great light for Christ. She just went out and had to tell everyone about Jesus. And that only happened when she was able to come out of the darkness, right? And so Jesus is the light, and, and it's going to expose things in your life, right? And, and for some of us, we're like, yeah, I don't want that. I want to stay in the darkness. But if you do, you're not going to grow. You're not going to have life. What happens when a plant, because that's what the, the metaphor we've been using, what happens if a plant just stays under the surface of the soil the whole time? It'll die, right? The plant has to come out. It's got to come out. It's got to get the light, right? And so for some of us, friends, we, we just want, like, a little bit of Jesus. We want secret Jesus. You know, Jesus, you forgive everything. Thank you, Right? But, and I'm not saying, you know, expose all your sins, you know, in front of everyone. We may not be ready for that. But to yourself, to God, can you bring who you really are? Because Jesus, he loves you guys. Make no mistake. He loves you exactly as you are. And you don't need to hide anything. You don't need to hide a single thing. He already knows. What's the point? The only person you're fooling is yourself. The only thing you're doing is you're keeping yourself from growing, right? So, again, we talked a lot about that last week. So, Jesus is the light. It's there. It's very important, right? And then it continues. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. So Jesus came into the world. And, and, and first of all, friends, um, there were some people who testified about the light, as there are now, right? And there's some people who, you know, people like John, you know, or pastors who tell you about Jesus, right? But friends, I got to tell you, don't follow them. Don't follow me. Follow Jesus, right? Because I'm not the light. Jesus is the light, right? Jesus is the true light. You got to follow the light, right? And then there's this other aspect where not everyone knew Jesus. Not everyone accepted Jesus. Why? Well, first of all, if you look in Matthew, uh, what it says the word was, I mean, it's the word of God, like we know that, right? But it specifically says the word of the kingdom. What is that? 
Well, friends, a a second aspect of Jesus is that Jesus is the Lord. I also could have said Jesus is king, but all three points all start with the letter L. So I was like, let's go with it, right? Light, Lord, right? So he is Lord and he is king. This is a very common symbol in Christianity. You guys have probably seen it before. The cross, which we know, Jesus' love and sacrifice, mixed with the crown, in the middle of a crown, because Jesus is king. It is Jesus' central message. He has come to say that the kingdom of God has arrived. And what does that mean? That means a king has arrived, and that king is Jesus, right? And so this is the other aspect. If we want Jesus to come into our lives, you are not fitting him into your life. Make no mistake. You are not, a, like, like, you don't get to, like, just kind of, like, pick and choose what you want of Jesus, like, like, you don't get to lead your life anymore and be the Lord and master of your life and just say, Jesus, I just want some advice. Every now and then, I want you to make me feel better and console me, right? You can just be like a consultant, but this is the thing with consultants. At the end of the day, if you're the one in charge, you get to call the shots. So if a consultant is like, don't take that job, and you're like, mm, I want to take the job, guess what? You can take the job. But what if the consultant was not a consultant, but they were your king? They were your Lord, and they say, hey, I don't think you should take that job. Mm. What do we say then? Uh, I still want to take the job. (laughs) It's what most of us do, is it not? It's what most of us do. Or we're like, "Uh, I don't think that was Jesus. I need a second opinion, right? Let's be real. Do you want the seed? Do you want this life? Do you want Jesus? Because Jesus did not come to just be your friend. He did not come to be your little consultants or to just console you when you feel bad. He came to lead. He came to be the Lord of your life. Why? Because it's the best possible life. Friends, we wreck our lives when we lead. That's what sin is, right? I'm not telling you that you should let Jesus lead because God's going to get mad at you or he's going to punish you if you don't. It's not about that. Not anymore. What it's about is what is going to be the life where you flourish? If you want that abundant life, right? I mean, like, like just just think about this. God is the master of the universe. He knows what what you know job is best for you. He knows what spouse is best for you, right? He knows what what how you should spend your time, what's gonna give you the most joy, right? And so when we go to God and we're like, yeah, but I just don't feel like doing it. Friends, how many times have your feelings gotten you in trouble? You felt like doing something, and afterwards you're like, yeah, that was a bad choice. (laughs) Right? But you just felt like doing it, and so you did it. This is the way we live, right? Because we're sinful, right? And it doesn't mean you're bad. It just means that we want to lead our own lives. I say this all the time. I think the motto uh, under the the United States flag should be, don't tell me what to do, (laughs) right? That should be America's motto, right? I want to be my own God, right? You can't tell me what to do, right? But this is not the way of Christ. Christ has come, and he's like, hey, I want to show you a better way. I want you to follow me, and I'm going to show you the way to life. So do you want the Lord, or do you just want, I don't know, some fluffy 
uh, uh, fluffy replacement for Jesus, some lesser Jesus, some lesser gospel. Friends, we have to ask ourselves, do you want the real truth? Do you want Jesus to lead? Because he will, and he will bring you life. But it will not be on your terms. It will be on his. And the last thing is he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, friends, we know that there is this opportunity for us to receive Jesus. And when we do, we're already told that he's life and he's the light, right? The life was the light of, of, of humans, of men. And, and so the third point is Jesus is life, you see? We got three L's. <laughs> we did it, right? Light, Lord, and life, right? And, friends, I honestly, I could have put Savior here, but again, it didn't fit the L. <laughs> but at the same time, what does it mean to have a life? Well, has anyone ever told you, I hope they haven't because it's kind of mean, or you ever hear someone say, get a life, right? It's usually said in this tone, hey, man, get a life, right? <laughs> what are they saying? They're saying there's something wrong with the life you already have, right? Like, like you, you need something else. You need to replace that life. Right? So when we say Jesus is life, it sounds good. It sounds like, oh, yeah, 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 of course, Jesus is life. But friends, what we are saying is that your life then needs to end in order to get the life of Jesus. This is why Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, right? It talks about you can become the children of God. If you believe, if you trust in this Jesus, you can become the children of God. But remember when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and he was like, you have to be reborn. And Nicodemus, who's this guy who has lived his whole life and has reached a high position in the faith, and he's got his robes, and he's got his long beard, and he's got his learning, and he's got his status and his titles, and he walks around and everyone's like, oh, Nicodemus, oh, you're such a great teacher. And Jesus is like, yeah, all that's got to end. You got to be reborn. You got to become like a child. And Nicodemus is like, what? That makes no sense at all. And Jesus is like, if you don't understand this man, you're not ready for greater truths, right? It's a simple truth. To get a life, you got to lose a life. So if Jesus, if you want Jesus to be your life, you got to be ready for some things to be shaken up, right? Jesus wants to give you this life, and it is going to be unlike anything else. It's going to be so good, right? But friends, for a lot of us, we just don't want it, right? This is the thing, friends. There's a lot of people who have been trying to live this life. Basically, you just use Christianity to bolster your own life. Your life doesn't end. You just use Christianity, and then you just add it onto your life. This is part of the reason why I talk like this, why I tell you. When it's talking about the seed in this context, you want it to go deep and you want it to bear much fruit, we're talking about the word about Jesus, right? Because what a lot of people do, and friends, just please, please, just be prayerful when you hear this. There's some people, what I'm going to say right now, you're not going to like. It's going to be different than what you have heard if you've grown up in the church, 
right? But what a lot of us do is we just make the word, we just make it the Bible, and the Bible is a really, really long collection of books. You guys know that, right? It's a collection of books, not one book. That's why it's like, like over a thousand pages long, right? It's many, many books collected over a long period of time. And if you think that every single word in there is the equivalent to the word we're talking about here, what you can do is you can just pick and choose whatever words you like, right? And then you can say, well, that's the word of God for me. Like, oh, I like some of this stuff about Abraham because Abraham was super blessed. He had lots of cattle, right? I'm going to take that word and I'm going to plant that word deep, right? You guys follow me? Right? And what a lot of people were doing was they were using religion to bolster themselves. They were, by their own efforts, becoming righteous. This is the Pharisees. They were really good at following laws. Right? And so they really just didn't think they needed a savior. So when Jesus comes and he's like, I've come for the sick, and they're like, We're not sick. He's like, I've come for the lost. They're like, We're not lost. Like, I've come to save you. Why do you, I need to be saved? I have life. And Jesus says, I am the life. If you want this life, you got to die, right? Do you see this? And so in the Old Testament, in, in the Hebrew Bible, it was about following the law, right? And you would follow the law, and if you could follow the law, you would be made righteous. Now, how many of us can really do that, all of the law? Not many of us. But there's some people who it, 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 we just kind of feel like we're winning at this religion game. Why do we need Jesus? I don't know if that's you, I need to confess, it ain't me. I know I'm a pastor and I stand up here and I I act like I got all the answers. I don't. I need to be saved on a daily basis. But there are times where people in the church, we just get so convinced of our own goodness, we don't think we need to be saved. But friends, so in in case you're like, oh, Pastor Steve, like, I, I, I don't know what you're saying. Are you saying like Old Testament is important? No, 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 no. I'm not saying the Old Testament isn't important. I'm saying it's not as important as the word about Jesus. If you don't believe me, let's read this. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. ESV, they're trying to be nice. That's not what it says. Well, it it is kind of. But what does it mean, grace upon grace? Okay, so you get grace before, previous grace, then you get grace upon it. What does the second grace do? It covers it. It's actually not what it says. It says Grace that replaces grace. That's what it says in the Greek, right? For the law was given through Moses, right? So according to the the tradition of the Hebrew Bible, Moses wrote the law, right? Do you guys know that, right? So when we talk about law, we're, we're talking about not just the laws, but we're talking about really the Old Testament, right? It's a shorthand, right? For the law was given through Moses. So the Old Testament right? That was through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. But he has made him known. There's only one, not Moses, but Jesus, right? So grace that replaces grace. I mean, hey, listen, you got grace through, through Moses. It's good. It's very good. It's just not as good as Jesus. Do you guys hear that? Right? So when we talk about scripture, it's not saying that the Old Testament is bad or untrue. It is true. It's just that Jesus came to fulfill it. So you could talk to people and you could take the Old Testament and beat them over the head with it and be like, see, you got to try harder. See, there's all this condemnation in the Old Testament. 
That's the previous grace. There's a grace that came to replace it, to come up on it, up on it, right? Grace and truth. And the truth is that Jesus is the light. Amen? This is why I tell people, if you want to grow in Christ, like the Old Testament can be a great supplement, but only in the light of Christ. If you just stay in the Old Testament, then you don't get Jesus, right? When you read the Old Testament, you need to read it in the light of Jesus. And so some of the things you read and you're like, yeah, this is the previous grace. There's more to the story where it's going to be fleshed out and filled out. And so what I tell most people is if you want to start to grow in Christ, start in the Gospels. Start with the stories about Jesus. And if you want to, you can read them both at the same time, right? You can read Old Testament and you can read New Testament, right? But the important stuff, the really good stuff, the stuff that fleshes it all out comes in Jesus. Did I make anyone mad? Does that make sense? right? Like, check my math, right? Look it up. In your Bible, it will tell you there's footnotes there. When it says grace upon grace, there will be a footnote. And whenever you look in your Bible and there's something that they just kind of like changed it a little bit, you know, they wanted to make it sound prettier or whatever, um, there'll be a footnote and it'll say or. And the or is the original Greek, right? And you guys see that it says like basically grace replacing grace, right? And so this is a newer covenant. This is a newer promise, right? This is a better promise. And this is the way of Jesus. And friends, I got to tell you, man, this is where we get the living water. Because under the old system, a lot of it depended on us. We were the life. Well, I mean, God is the life. But we had these sin-fractured lives. And we had the holy law that said, hey, If you want to be like me, you got to do these things. So we tried. We tried to get up to God. We tried, and we all failed. Even those people who act like they have it all together. I mean, Jesus was like, yeah, you look good on the outside, but your heart is far from that. Because I see everything, right? And you pay attention to certain laws more than others, right? The ones that make you look righteous, you're like, "Mm, this law right? If you use that law to condemn other people so you look better, but the ones that condemn you, never mind. Never mind. We're not going to mention those ones, right? But Jesus says, hey, you got to take the totality of the law. You can't pick and choose, right? It's really about, if you sum it all up, are you loving God and are you loving your neighbor perfectly, right? That's what it's about. We can take all of the law and we can sum it up in that, Right? And Jesus came to teach you how to do that. And Jesus came first to love you and to save you. Jesus is the life. We're not the life. We try so hard and we keep failing. But what this is saying is that instead of trying so hard and and failing all the time, and then we're like, oh man, I'm so terrible, I gotta do it again. What we have to do is we have to throw up our hands and surrender and say, Jesus, I can't do it. You have to save me. And that's what it's about, friends. Right? At the end of the day, we got to come into the light. Right? We got to call a spade a spade. We got to call a sin a sin. Right? We got to say that some of this stuff, it is not acceptable in the eyes of God. And yet, and yet, you're not going to be the one who's going to be able to save yourself. Jesus is Lord. And he's trying to guide you 
and teach you how to live better. But it's not just going to be by your own power. You need a savior. You need a life saver. And that is Jesus. And friends, if we can get that every day, consistently, and you get the word of God, you get Jesus, his life, his character, his light, his leading, his saving, and you bring it into your heart, and you bury that deep, and you keep it there. You keep it in your heart every day. This is why we need to meditate on scripture, friends. This is why we need to come to church. This is why we need to come to small group. We need to be reminded every day. We need that grace again and again and again, and we need it to stay there. And if it can, friends, it's going to be like waters just rushing up into your life, right? Friends, um, I'm going to ask the praise team to come up, but I, I just want us to take a moment to just kind of sit with what I've shared with you. You know, how we do that, um, we're going to talk about that in coming weeks. That's going to come. But I think the question that I think is most important is, do you want it? Two weeks ago, I asked you, you know, do you want the living water? But today, I want to be a little more specific than just talking about water. (laughs) I want to ask you, do you want Jesus? Because if you want Jesus, that means he's going to be the one who saves you. You can't save yourself. We can't do it. But he is also the king. He is the light that shines in all of our darkness. And he will save you. He will love you. I mean, you guys know, you know the stories, how gentle he was with all the sinners, with all the outcasts, right? And and, and he did not judge them. He just came to save them. So friends, to anyone who would reach out and say, Lord, save me, he will. He will. What do you need to be saved from? What are you sitting in right now that is plaguing you? And you've been trying to climb out on your own and you can't do it. You've tried. Maybe some of you are struggling with anxiety or depression. Maybe some of you are just, you just feel lost. Some of you, you're just tired. You feel this soul weariness and you don't know why. Some of you, you want a fresh wind. You want to feel something from the Lord. You felt it before, but right now you are so dry. Friends, can we just say, can we just cry out to God, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Jesus, save me. I need you. Friends, can we just take a moment and, friends, just cry out. Just pray right now. Let's cry out to the Lord. Lord, save me. God, we need you, Lord. We are not so cleaned up, God. We are not so perfect that we can do this on our own. Lord, would you save us if there's anyone in this room, anyone in this place, God, that is feeling lost, God, is feeling depressed or anxious, God. We have tried all of the answers that this world has given us and none of those things help or work, God. And sometimes they're just temporary fixes and the next moment we're back in it. Lord, we need you. We need the seed of your kingdom. We need the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ to come in. And we need it to come and remain. We need that light. We need that life. We need you, Lord, to come and save us from what we cannot save us from ourselves. Lord, we cry out. Lord, save us. 
Lord, we are sinners. Lord, we have fallen. Lord, we cannot do it on our own. We need you, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come into our lives. Come into our hearts, God. Lord Jesus, it is not about us cleaning everything up. It's not about us being perfect. It's not about what other people think about us. But God, we need you, Lord. We need a Savior today. Lord Jesus, come and save us. We want nothing else. We want nothing else but you. Lord Jesus, come save us. Come love us. Come show us the way again. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. God, I I just sense in this place that there are people who are really hungry, hungry for something real. God, we don't want hype. We don't even just want emotion. But God, we want you. We want Jesus. No other substitute. God, can you, in your grace, shower upon these people the Spirit of Christ. And may that seed go really, really, really deep into our hearts. May we learn in the coming weeks and months and years how to keep that seed, that word, that spirit within us that it can bear much fruit for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.